Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog all together at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I am Jarini Lara Rodriguez, mentor and lead of the SWE Latinos AG of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to the Swiss Diverse podcast series. Please remember to add these podcasts to your iTunes and like or follow us in social media. Visit sui.org for more details. I'm joined today by Dr. Mauricio Cabrera Rios, professor and researcher at the University of Puerto Rico at Mayagüez. Dr. Cabrera Rios is a professor in the Industrial Engineering Department. He has more than 16 years teaching and doing research in the industrial engineering field. Professor Cabrera is the director of the Applied Optimization Group and has an extensive list of scientific publications in simulation, optimization, and bioinformatics. In 2019, he received the prestigious Tosher Medal from the Operational Research Society, awarded by the Journal of Simulations to the authors with an outstanding article in a period of two years highlighting his contribution in the field of simulation. He is currently the faculty advisor of the UPRM Maya West chapter of SWE and has mentored many aspiring female engineers. Thanks for joining us today, Professor Cabrera Rios. On the contrary, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. You are welcome. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and start with the questions we prepared for you today. Can you walk us through your academic and professional accomplishments. Where did you go to school and how did your studies influence your career path? All right, let me start by, by saying that I am an industrial engineer. I have been for as long as I can recall since my higher education started. And that was back in 1992 in uh, Monterey Institute of Technology and Higher Education in it's called Monterey Tech in Mexico. And I attended there from 1992 to 1996. The, uh, from the very beginning, I you know, was attracted to industrial engineering and in general to, to engineering. But uh, what caught my attention uh, in those years was the low number of female engineering students that I encountered in the classrooms. Perhaps in, in industrial engineering, it was the healthiest numbers. But in the rest of the engineering fields, there were just a few. At the very beginning, in particular, when you are taking the common courses to all engineering, engineering areas, that's when you start to, start to see that there is just a few, of, a few of women in engineering. And out of them, most of them were industrial engineers. Industrial engineering is, is the closest that you have to an administrative engineering, right? So uh, that was that was always something that bothered me, that we didn't have more representation of females in in engineering. 
And that seemed to be okay with many people. So that started to really get into, into my nerves. The real change for me as an engineer student, engineering student, came when I went to the University of Pittsburgh as an exchange student in 1995 uh, to realize that there were many competitive female engineers, not only in industrial engineering, but in many other fields. That was the first time that I heard about the SWE. In fact, and about the uh, important activities that they realized and that they supported to bring female engineers on board. And uh, I got to talk to many of them. I made great friendships back in, in Pittsburgh. And, you know, we, we was often that we talked about the lack of representation of women in engineering and how they really needed to be in there. So that's the first step in my higher education was in, in Mexico. And, but importantly, I think it was cemented in the University of Pittsburgh during that year of exchange. So I finished in 1996 in Mexico. I, um, I was already convinced that I needed to not stop in the bachelor's, with a bachelor's degree, but I wanted to continue towards the doctoral degree. And many people called me crazy back in Mexico because, well, we, I was skipping altogether the next step, which was the master's degree. But, uh, you know, I went ahead and applied to become a Fulbright student, a scholarship that I won to get into a, a university in the, in, in the States. And that's how I got into Ohio State University. So during my master's studies from 97 to 99, um, for that period of time, I was pretty much by myself being a Hispanic in, uh, in the industrial engineering department. So there, were, there was one Puerto Rican student when I got there, one Mexican student. They graduated within the next semester. And then it was pretty much me. So representation, you know, became also an issue there. And, uh, so, so you have women, you have Hispanics, and you, you start to see that there is this lack of representation, right? People who look like you. And for women, of course, having people who are part of the female group. <clears throat> Going to the, to the PhD, Going to the PhD, I, I went from 1999 to 2002 at Ohio State also. And uh, I became more into the engineering side of things. I uh, studied polymer engineering uh, within the industrial engineering department, which was odd. But, you know, that really gave me a lot of uh, formation strengths in terms of, of engineering and which I carried through my postdoctoral studies in 2002 and 2003. And um, during that period of time, during the postdoc and my teaching position at Ohio State, I, you know, I started to think that I could do something to start supporting people who were not sufficiently represented in the fields. So that's how the two got together, I think. 
in my my formation in engineering and realizing that there was a need for representation. And I got convinced that the engineering field and the STEM fields in general would be so much better if everybody was represented. Yeah. Wow, awesome. Thank you for sharing this with us. And uh, currently, you know, you are in the University of, of Puerto Rico at Maya West. And uh, uh, can you tell us more about your role and contribution as a faculty advisor and mentor for the SWE UPRM section? And uh, when did it start? I sure can. I, I came to the uh, University of Puerto Rico, Maya West, in 2008 as, uh, as an assistant professor after I was working in Mexico. And in my third year in the university, I, I met a, who was to be the president of the UPRN chapter. And it was purely coincidental because, well, I have a research group and I am lucky to have many female engineering students within my group as, as undergraduate or graduate students. And one of them was the roommate of the uh, incoming president of the UPRN suite. And at that point, just as many student organizations, they were in the process of organizing themselves. They were in transition. And uh, apparently they did not have, they now have an active advisor, a faculty advisor, or they were in, in the process of replacing her. And so they came to me, to, the, to my office, and they invited me to become their advisor. So I was both humble, surprised, and, you know, I, I also thought it was a, a very important opportunity and a very significant one. So that was back in 2011, and ever since then, I, I've, I am the faculty advisor. Now, the, uh, the organization of the UPRNC is, is it's amazing. It is an open organization. It welcomes students, students of all walks of life, basically. They incorporate males with ease. They incorporate just about anyone, anyone who wants to be in their organization. <clears throat> and they don't like it, and they don't like people becoming lazy in their organization. They are very active, they are really organized and they are always very thoughtful about the kind of activities that they want to support and carry out. They are strategic about it and they have a very well-defined plan for transition. So I love that about them. So my approach with uh, UPRNC has been a combination of a couple of things. First, to have a clarity of roles. I, I I have that my personal point of view is that this is a student-run organization. So it doesn't have to carry my agenda. It doesn't have to carry anything that I direct. I am not the director of the UPRN suite. So they have all independence, all the opportunity to carry out their, the, the, uh, their plans. And I am happy to give them feedback and I'm happy to be the liaison with the university, which has different rules about how activities must be conducted, about their use of logos, and how or within which context they have to be 
conducted. The second part, it's communication. I usually have very fluid and continuous communication with the uh, with the president and the many people at the, in the uh, in an administrative position at SWE. And throughout the years, I have made them welcome in my office, and I always offer them my support and advice. And importantly, I have become a cheerleader for the uh, Society of Women and Engineering, Society of Women Engineers. Um, in the minimal sense, I would say that if I have done something significant for the UPRN SWE, is not blocking them, really not standing in their way. Anything else, you know, it's been support, it's been communication, following the rules, having a clarity of roles, but most importantly, not blocking them. Wow. Thank you very much for all this contribution and support to the CUAPRM section, Professor. So you are perhaps uh, one of the few male faculty advisors to a Swiss student chapter in the USA. How do you feel about it? Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I, I am, like I said before, I am, I am extremely humbled by that distinction. I'm extremely privileged, actually, to be one of the uh, one of the few, if, if not the, the only one, uh, male faculty who is an advisor to the to a student chapter, right? The uh, I that hasn't been without any criticism. Basically, people people sometimes in the university they say, well, you have a you have a student chapter for female engineers, and you know the advisor is a male. What's wrong with that? So uh, I always talk to the to the officers at the UPRN SWE every time that we have an incoming uh, set of officers or administrators and discuss this issue with them. So are they comfortable? Do you see me as someone who can contribute to it? And would they be more comfortable with, with somebody else? And, you know, they have always surprised me with the most wonderful open mind and, and opinion. And this... They are pretty much post-genderists. They see no issue as long as I have, you know, something to something important to say and support the activities of the SWE. So, you know, that has been how I you know I've I've been around for for a long time, I, I guess. So it like I said, it's been humbling and you know I feel extremely privileged and, and honored to be a faculty advisor for this week. Excellent. So I uh, have another more question. Mm -hmm. More questions. Uh, from your experience, Professor, uh, what qualities does a mentor need to support women in STEM towards a successful career? Well, I, I would say first that you need, you need to have a, open eyes and realize that we need everyone who can help everyone, right? So if somebody is able to help, and believe me, in the world right now, we have challenges that are just too great to be faced just by one group of people. You know, if we do not realize that, you know, we are, we're lost. We have to have that larger sense of urgency, right? We need to incorporate everyone. We need to incorporate diversity. 
certainly women have to be there. They have to be in their critical roles. Did, did you see how they manage, how leaders in, in different countries manage the pandemic and how they did a wonderful job? Most of them were women, right? So they, they you know, they, they have the right stuff. We cannot live and we cannot survive without females doing their part. So you have to have first that first that sense of urgency. The second one is that you have realized that they have been playing in a really unfair field. You know, there is we are we see inequality everywhere. And you know, for women in engineering, it has been a really tough, really, really tough job. Um, it's only within the last century that we start to see women being allowed into the sciences and engineering, you know, and and the key word here, it's been allowed. We don't have to allow them. They belong there. They have to be there. We need them there, you know, and we desperately need them there. The other thing is, or the other quality, I think, is to be ready to provide perspective on long-term plans and roadblocks. You don't have to sugarcoat things, you know, just as you wouldn't want to sugarcoat things for anybody else, you don't have to sugarcoat things for women in engineering. Um, you just have to be truthful. You just have to be technical. You just have to be sure that, just as any other students, that they have a life plan. And for that life plan to happen, they have to be aware about many roadblocks, right? And many of them coming from the actual person or, or the person who is doing the plan. So if I can keep it simple, it would be those two things. First, a larger sense of urgency and inequality. And second, be ready to provide perspective on long-term plans and the roadblocks ahead. Thank you. Well, thank you for this insight and advice, Professor. So I know that uh, during your career as a professor and researcher, you have mentored many young female students as part of their undergraduate and graduate training. Can you please tell us more about how a good mentor-mentee relationship helps to advance academic goals for both sides, for students and professors? Yeah. Uh, first of all, let me tell you, the, the, you know, I was doing a, a little accounting the other day and it's between six and seven out of ten students that have have been female in my in my uh, research group, either as undergraduates or graduates. So you know, I'm I I've been lucky that way. The uh, mentor and mentee relationship really it's a matter of trust, right? You you cannot <laughs> you cannot communicate. You cannot get together with people who you do not trust, and certainly you will not ask or advice from people you do not trust. So be, being trustworthy, it's easy to say, but it requires to build upon it day in, day out, right? You just have to be honest. Just like I said before, you cannot sugarcoat things. You cannot sell things that are in your own agenda just to disguise it as some, you are embracing diversity, right? Just have to be honest about what your actual objectives are. And for me, they have been mostly technical. You know, I, I really like research. I, I want to answer a couple of key questions in research and I'm happy 
to incorporate students. Certainly, female students are more than welcome. So I think that having that honesty about what I'm trying to accomplish, it was never said, well, you know, I want to you know, bring as many female students. No, they naturally came because the technical areas that I was working on and the sense that I was given to them was there. So you have to be honest about that. And of course, that communication, right? The, the, uh, the daily grind, it's, it has good hours and the rest of them is, is really a struggle. Right? You have difficult times, you have tough times, you have sadness, you have many things that you have to deal with. So the mentor-mentee relationship has to be one about communication. And ultimately, respect, not only as a person, but respect when people dissent. You know, as a, as a mentor, you would, like, you would like to be the designer of other people's lives, and that is not right. You know, you, as a mentor, you are there to provide information, to provide structure, to facilitate people to come to their own conclusions, even if those conclusions are different than yours, right? So you have to respect the decision of others. If you cannot share an honest opinion, then the relationship is all gone. If you cannot respect when people decide to not go with your advice, it's all gone. You should be able to support after dissent, if you want to continue with a good mentor-mentee relationship. Another aspect of it is to recognize growth and experience in your mentee. Your, your mentee, it's growing up. It's becoming a better person in, in the most cases, becoming stronger, and sometimes she will surpass you. And ideally, if the relationship is good, she should surpass you, right? But that should leave you also as a richer person, right? Every person that you add and that trusts you uh, to become her mentor, you know, will make you richer and will give you a reward. So you have to trust that process. Wow, thank you uh, for the, this advice. I may take some of it for my future relationships. <laughs> More than welcome uh, to you. <laughs> Continue with the questions, Professor. What kind of obstacles have you seen women in engineering face nowadays? You know, there are many. There are many obstacles out there. And, uh, of course, in the, in the political arena, you know, you can see many of them right now. But, you know, in, in, when it comes to ac academics and people doing STEM, women trying to get into STEM and, and make a career out of it, I would like to keep it simple and focused on three. First of all, the imposter, the imposter syndrome, right? The, uh, that feeling, that nagging feeling that you do not belong there. Yes, women belong in engineering. It was a stupid idea to have them out. You know, the, we desperately need women in engineering and everywhere in life, everywhere that decision-making is happening. We need them there. So that imposter syndrome usually comes from oneself. But also, one has to be aware that there are real accusations out there of being an imposter. You know, you've, you have felt that, I have felt that, you know, and know that, well, you deserve to be there. And in the process, you're going to make mistakes just like anybody else. You know, that's a human thing. You make mistakes. In fact, you know, the 
you only become a better engineer, a better scientist if you make mistakes because you learn from them, right? So there is the imposter syndrome and there are the real accusations of being an imposter, right? And that's an obstacle that have to be, we have to be aware. The second one is that mentality of the us versus them, you know, the, uh, and, and that is an extreme mentality. Every time that we go to extremes, we lose. That's a, that's a psychological principle. So going to that extreme of us versus them, it's a lose lose situation. You know the uh, human beings are really diverse, are really uh, multi-dimensional, and certainly are good sometimes and bad sometimes. So you you have to be aware of that. You don't have to stick with a group just because it's a group, or that you know it's been a group for a couple of years. You have to evaluate those things. And certainly, you don't want to make enemies out of different groups. right? The, the, the more we incorporate, the more we add people to our goal to, uh, to face a challenge, the better position in which we will be. And the third one that, we can, that I see as a challenge and that we can do something about it is still many many women in engineering do not have a life plan you know a life plan with all things considered that means your career that means your family that means kids if you want to have one and you know the difference the goals that you want to set in time i think i i find that lack of planning not understandable because you really need to think about them. You know, we have uh, we have finite time, you know, to live our lives, and there are many things that you have to accommodate. So you better have a plan, right? And 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 I think that's something that we have we we can incorporate more into the mentorship and also into the skills that female engineers need to have in order to succeed. Yeah. Wow. Excellent advice. Thank you, Professor. So, you, uh, you know, during this uh, current situation that we are uh, facing, uh, in particular, how has mentoring been helpful during the COVID pandemic and why? Well, mentoring is a highly rewarding activity. It's probably one of the most unrecognized uh, rewarding activities of being an educator, to be honest. Uh, so you, you go to the class, you teach, right? And that's, that's a nice thing. You, or you're a researcher and you perform all sorts of experiments and discoveries. But, you know, in, in the long term, mentoring is such a rewarding activity. So it provides you with a sense and meaning for what you're doing. And you, you can see the results of that. The benefits go both ways. So mentoring has been actually a survival tool based on one of the most needed things during the pandemic, a human connection. You, know, you, are, you are connected to your mentees or, or after big day, become, they become your, your peers, they become your colleagues. You know, that's wonderful. You know, that's beyond friendship. You know, that's beyond the how are you doing? It's like, well, you know, I have this thing going on. What do you think? Um, have you faced a situation like this and such? So I, you know, I, I'm really happy to say that I, I have, I have kept many of my mentees around in 
through the internet, right? And in general, in my life, I, you know, I don't really, um, I'm really rich in that sense. You know, I have kept many connections with my kids. So during the pandemic, it has been a lifesaver. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, it is true. And um, I would uh, like to go, you know, as a final question, uh, just to ask you if you have any final thoughts that you would like to share in, uh, for this interview. So yeah, if I if I am to take this opportunity, I I want to go to two things. First of all, I'll give um give free recommendations to women who are in their careers, you know, in engineering, and you know they are want to get ahead in the leadership ranks. Uh, the first thing would be to make a plan. So you have to make a life plan that considers everything: your career. Your family, you have a uh, you have limited time in life, so you, if you want to get to some place, you need to know what are the compromises, trade-offs, and what is what are the important things that are that are going to take you there as a person and as a professional. So make a plan. You need to start today planning your life. Second is to build a network to support others. See that this is different to build of building a network to support you, right? Because that's really selfish. You want to build a network to support others because that's where strength is. That it that's where you have interdependence and you have that solidarity, which you will need to you will need to use, and other people can use your strength to become better positioned anywhere that you are. So build a network. And the third one, you're an engineer, so be one. Right? Build your technical strengths. Become a better engineer day by day. Do not stop learning. Do not stop investing in your engineering skills. So those three things, make a plan, build a network to support others, and build your technical strength. And the second thing that I wanted to talk about, to take this opportunity, to thank the UPRN3 for trusting me all these years as their advisor. It has really meant a great deal for me and it's a continuous source of pride and, and reward. So thank you. And finally, I would like to thank you, Yareni, for inviting me and selecting me as a guest. It's, it's been a, a, an honor. Um, you, are, you are very welcome, Professor. Uh, thank you for the sharing all this knowledge, experience, advice, tips, everything with us today. I'm pretty sure many of us in SWE are going to take advantage of all of this. So Dr. Cabrera Rios, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today and for providing us some really valuable insight to our current and future engineers and leaders. Like I said, it's been, it's been an honor. And, uh... Well, like I said, it's, it's just urgent to have more women in engineering and more women in the world taking leadership and taking command of things. It's been a long time overdue. Yeah, thank you. I am Jereni Lara Rodriguez. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. <laughs>